0: Brothers and sisters, I realize tonight that prayer meetings can go in a variety of different directions. What I'd like to see to do tonight is a couple of things that I felt in my heart the Lord would have us to do. If you'd like to be seated, I I really feel in my heart that there are many, many needs. We can pray for the sick all night long, and God knows we're among us and in home suffering. There's a lot we can do. There's one thing I think we need to do first and foremost... As we kick this thing off. And that's simply a call to prayer. David Wilkerson said when God determined to recover a ruined situation, he would find a man and baptize him with anguish. That's what's needed today. What is anguish? It's defined as a severe physical or emotional pain or distress. Spiritual anguish is when we feel deeply the things that reflect the heart of God. When we can feel the things that reflect the heart of God. That which breaks God's heart, does it break my heart? That which breaks God's heart, does it break the heart of the church this evening? When I first accepted the Lord as an 18-year-old kid, my heart was broken. When I saw lost people in the world, when I saw teenagers off the hill playing football and riding their bikes, my heart was full of anguish. I did everything I could to witness. I burned with evangelism. Where has that evangelistic fire and fervor gone? I'm a pastor now. Oh, God baptize me again with anguish for the lost conditions of the world. Prophetic voices have always sounded the alarm to call people to weep over the things that break the heart of the Almighty God. Jeremiah cried out when he prayed, Oh my soul, my soul, I am pained in my very heart. And God told Isaiah, Cry aloud, spare not, lift up your voice like a trumpet and warn the people of their sin. In the New Testament John the Baptist was the voice of crying in the wilderness, repent, repent. Anguish was everywhere as he understood a world needed to be ready for the coming of the Messiah. And even Jesus Christ himself, he himself said, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her, how often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings But you were not willing." Church, what moves us? What breaks our heart? What gets that righteous indignation? What burns the blood of our soul? What troubles us? What is it tonight that breaks our heart, that breaks the heart of God? Or should I say, do the things that break the heart of God even break my heart at all? And does it break the heart of the church? There must be an anguish over the ruins. And the book of Nehemiah begins with Jerusalem being in ruin, when I heard these things I sat down and wept, for some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven, and later in the book Nehemiah said to the king why should not my face be sad when the city, the place of my father's graves, he is in ruins and the gates have been destroyed by fire. We only need to look at the devastation of the moral compass of America and to see just how far we've saw fallen and we understand the anguish in the life of Nehemiah. From the school district to the courthouses, uh, from the media to manipulation of the news outlets, uh, from uh, the abortion uh, around our nation and the world uh, to the murders within our streets, we can see how alarming it really is. We are drowning in a cesspool of moral filth. And the psalmist said, The wicked freely parade and prance about, while evil is praised throughout the land. Where's the anguish? The gates of the city represent security. The gates of the city represents commerce, and it represents justice to a society. As it was then, so it is today. The ruins are all around us. Security and justice has been exchanged for corruption and manipulation, and commerce has been exchanged uh, for the rebirth of socialism. Again, where is the anguish? Where is the righteous indignation? Uh, Where is somebody standing up saying, I am troubled by what I see in our land today, and we must do something about that. We need a true prophetic voice once again uh, to sound the alarm. May I remind you, the whole, the woke church is not waking anybody up, and a dead church is not reviving anybody at all, we must have a voice of God today and a trumpet that will give a clear sound uh, that once again says, uh, freely, uh, wake up, return to me, declare the Lord of hosts, that I may return to you. And church, that's what we need to know. I pray for God's healing. I pray for salvation. I pray for gifts of the Spirit. But what the church needs to do is return back to God. Amen. I believe we need to repent, beloved. And why? Because we're a pastor, I'm not in sin, I'm not in open sin. Well, thank God we're not, but we need to repent for our lukewarmness because we're not moved by what moves God. We're not shaken by what shakes God. We're not broken by what breaks the heart of God. How do I know that? Because I've been in this thing for 40 some years and I see the demise of the church today. American churches are not persecuted, and forgive me, but American churches have done very little worthy of persecution. But I'm here to tell you, we've entered into a battle. It's not a battle with flesh and blood, but it's a downright battle against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness and spiritual wickedness in this world. And I believe that we're going to see more attacks through our government. I hope I'm a false prophet on this, not a prophet at all, but I hope I'm false on this. But I believe we're going to see more attacks through the government. They're going to come demanding us can't do this and can't do that. But we better make up our mind whose side are we on and what are we going to do for the glory of God. Anguish speaks of spiritual awakens. Anguish is where deep prayer and revival are born. Let me say it again. Anguish is where deep prayer and revival are born. Lord God of my salvation, I cry before you day and night. May my prayer reach your presence and listen to my prayer," uh, the, uh, the psalmist said. Anguish fears judgment, but anguish also has a hope in God. The Bible said in Isaiah, when Zion travails, sons and daughters will be birthed into the kingdom of God. This past Friday night, probably 500 people on this property many of whom that have never darkened the door of a church that tells me a few things number 1 sinners will come if you package it the right way it also tells me there's a need in our community And if we keep on doing what we've always done, we're going to keep on getting what we've always got. So we better learn to package this thing differently and love people right where they are and reach out to them in ways we never thought we could. And it's not going to happen by sitting on our blessed assurance. It's going to happen as we have the anguish of God burning in our heart to reach out to a people group that nobody's reached out to before. May God give us a spirit of revelation. May God give us an anguish for souls. May God give us the blueprint of reaching the unreachable today. In 1930 there was a powerful awakening at a school of missionaries for the sons of missionaries in South India. I understand it was traced back to three young boys that were very concerned about the lack of spiritual fervor within that school. And those three boys brought forth a catalyst to bring a spiritual awakening uh, to that school for the sons and daughters of missionaries In 1949 a revival broke out in Scotland all because two elderly sisters were concerned that there was nothing going on in the church. They were as dead as last year's bird's nest. But those two elderly uh, sisters uh, they got hold of God and they went to the pastor and they say we are pulling down heaven uh, to come right into this church. And they say we pray fervently from 10 o'clock to 2 o'clock in the morning that revival will come. And let me tell you a tremendous revival uh, came to Scotland. Because two old women were sick and tired, I've been sick and tired, and sought the face of God, and God heard anguish in a man or woman's life will bring the glory of God down. Amen. Brothers and sisters, the same power revival has been recorded all around the world in different countries, different places, and different people groups. And I say, why not here? Why not us? And why not now? God baptize us. In anguish. Anguish over lack of spiritual hunger. To awaken our spiritual appetite there must be a continual hunger and thirst for the things of God. Matthew 5, 6, Jesus said, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled. Are you in anguish over the spiritual condition of your family? Are you and I in anguish over the spiritual condition of our nation? Are we in anguish over the spiritual condition of our neighborhood? Are we in spiritual anguish over the condition of our own church from time to time? Then ask God to awaken our barren and dry soul by setting us aside for times of fasting and prayer. Evangelist and author Neil Anderson asked one time a high priest of Satanism this question, based on your experience of the other side, what is the Christian's best line of defense? And the Satanist responded, prayer. And when you pray, mean it. Fervent prayer stops Satan's activity like nothing else does. Decades ago, Gordon Cove, an author, challenged his readers when he wrote, you have not sought the Lord with your whole heart until you have tried and protracted season of prayer and fasting. Could a lack of prayer, could a lack of prayer and fasting be hindering us from understanding the heart of God? Absolutely. Desperate times calls out for desperate situations. And friend, we today have desperate measures that we must take. Where is the righteous indignation? Where is our hearts that break with God and finally anguish over sin that leads to salvation. Another important aspect of anguish involves realizing our utter depravity and our need for complete reliance upon our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Jesus cried in a deep anguish on the cross for us and we've got to cry out the same way, God have mercy on me. God have mercy on us. God have mercy on new life assembling. God have mercy on the United States of America. We're no longer the United States of America. We're now the United States of amnesia. We have forgotten from whence we have come and we've forgotten from which we have fallen. Somebody better stand in the gap. Somebody better get on their knees and pray in fast. Somebody better get in the trenches and call glory back down again and pray some of these people out of places that God's presence can come in them. Now, don't, uh, don't let your feelings of unworthiness keep you from prayer. By show of hands, and mine's going to be the first one up, how many of us, we feel so unworthy? Thank God for your honesty. I feel so unworthy to receive anything from God or to ask God for anything, but understand this. Do not allow our unworthiness to keep us from surrendering and submitting our life to Jesus Christ. I'm paraphrasing. C.H. Spurgeon, when Satan tells me I'm unworthy, I remind him that I'm always been unworthy, yet God still loves me. Amen. Glory to God. You may feel unworthy and you may be unworthy, but he still loves me, devil. Take that and stick it in your crotch. God is here to minister to the needs of his people. Amen. Feeling of unworthiness don't prevent you from having fellowship with God. Make the choice today. Turn your life over completely to God. Your anguish over sin will turn in tremendous peace and joy. For who the Son sets free is free indeed. Jesus will never be sweet in your life and mine until sin becomes bitter in our thinking.